Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. We are on week two of our series entitled Detox, and I just want to give God thanks uh, uh, for Pastor Dwight uh, for sharing uh, the word of the Lord uh, last Sunday, and he uh, opened the series, and um, I'm just so blessed for what God is doing at our church. Um, and uh, I, I want to recap a little bit of what was mentioned last, last Sunday. Uh, this series is entitled Detox, and uh, just by virtue of definition, uh, detox is the process or period of time that one takes to abstain from unhealthy substances. I'm going to repeat the definition of detox. It is the process or period of time. And this is important that I mention this because there are some things that God does instantly. I'm talking about instantly. I remember when I got saved, and, it, and it's, let me just say this. It's always important that you remember your spiritual birth date. I know when I got saved, August 16, 1989, at about 11 o'clock at night, under a tent in the Bronx, I gave my life to Jesus. That was my birth date. I remember when I got saved, when I got saved, several things happened instantly when I received Jesus into my heart. Sanctification. I was sanctified. Because of Jesus' blood, when he died on the cross over 2,000 years ago, when I received Jesus' forgiveness and I accepted his sacrifice for me, that receiving of me of God's promise and God's salvation automatically positioned me from being a sinner and made me a saint. I was sanctified. I had nothing to do with that. I didn't go, hmm, and I became sanctified. It, it didn't happen that way. Sanctification happened without my cooperation. Another thing that I, that I experienced was what the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 5. I was justified. The doctrine of justification, which means that when I accepted Christ, Christ, God through Christ saw me as if I never was the sinner I was. He justified me. Another thing that happened instantly, I became adopted. I became a son of God. Another thing that happened, I was propitiated. Another thing that happened, I was redeemed. I was bought. I was purchased. Those things happened, and I had nothing to do with that. Because that came within the package of salvation through grace by faith. That's how that happened. So I came to the altar believing in Jesus' forgiveness for me. And when I embrace his forgiveness and I receive Jesus as my Lord, all those things I told you happened instantly. I didn't even know they were happening. But it happened by faith. Now, there are things that will happen, and they will not be instantly. 
Which is why when we talked about when we talk about detox, detox is a process or a period of time that one takes to abstain himself from substances. So now that I am a Christian with all of these free things that happen without my cooperation, the question is, does that dynamic apply in everything related to my walk with God? And the answer is no. I, I, I like that it's quiet. This is really good. Let me ask a question. If your thoughts, the thoughts you thought Monday through Saturday, were to show up on that screen right now, <laughs> Jesus, what would it reveal? I want you to think about every thought you thought. Everything you did, everything you exercised in your brain, Monday through Saturday. If for some kind of reason God decided to put every thought on that screen, would you, would you be able to handle your thoughts and sit right there and everybody watch what was in your head? Or would you be the first one to tip your finger and get out of here? And so the question is, if I am a Christian... And Jesus is in my heart, and he has the power to save me, justify me, sanctify me, propitiate me, adopt me, and redeem me. Well, then why doesn't he do away with these thoughts and these feelings that are in my mind? I mean, if he has the power to change me from living a life on my way toward damnation and hell and change me to go towards heaven and glory, well, then why doesn't he have the power? Because, listen, every thought you thought, God knows and knew you was going to think it before you thought it. So when you thought, Hatred last week, when you thought revenge last week, when you thought sin last week, that thought God already knew you was going to think it before you thought it. So if he knew what you was going to think before you thought it, why did he let you think it? Because if I got a son, right, I got three sons, my, my, my son, the drummer, my daughter, whatever. If, when my sons were small. And Jonathan, I, I, I always cut him up. <laughs> I got to mention all three of them. When my kids were small, I would put, I don't, I don't remember, but back then, I don't know if they have that now. Back then they have the, it was like a little, like little semi-gate that they would put to barricade the kids from going from the sala, living room, to a room. Like a little thing they put in the hallway, right? right? And, and I would barricade my kids because... There were things on the other side of that space I didn't want my kids to be exposed to because I knew if they would have touched it, they would have either gotten cut, gotten hurt, so I would barricade to protect. And I, I didn't know when they were going to touch, but I knew if I didn't put that barricade, it was just a matter of time before they were going to touch it, break it, and get hurt. 
So what did I do? I would prepare protection to avoid them from being afflicted. And so if I am a human sinful parent, imagine God who is perfect, holy, and the question is how come he doesn't put a barricade when he knows what I'm going to think, which is going to lead how I'm going to live, which is going to develop habits in my life. And God has the power to, to literally, literally, to do away with my thoughts, yet he doesn't do it. And he lets me think the thoughts I'm thinking, knowing that he has the power to change it. Why does he do that? I'll get there in a minute. And I want to say the following. Your life is formed by your thoughts. Solomon said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thought is so powerful that it has the ability to alter your feelings, your emotions, and your attitude. That's how powerful your thoughts are. Your thoughts are so powerful, you can be happy one second and angry the next. You can be joyful one second and bitter the next. That's how much power your thoughts are, church. And here's what's crazy. God will not change your mind for you. That's not God's responsibility within the package of salvation. In the package of salvation, God gives you everything to be more than a conqueror, but he is not going to do for you what you and I can do for ourselves. You have to change your mind. And I have to change my mind. And so Pastor was talking, Pastor Dwight was saying, how do I feed my mind? And he gave us three ways. Number one, I change my mind with God's word. Let me tell you, you'd be surprised how victorious you will be over those things that are conquering you if you start reading this book more and you start doing the things you do less. You got to, you, listen, we got to start memorizing and learning the word of God. Some of us know the newest, the latest song that Beyonce throws out there. We know the latest songs that, that, that Jay-Z and Kanye, he's easy, easy. <laughs> we know it. We, I mean, we know it. And we don't know the word of God. And let me tell you, let me tell you, the greatest battle of Christianity is not what's around me. The greatest battle in Christianity is what's inside me. But if I don't know the word of God, I cannot fight this fight. And I'm fighting in a battle without a gun. I'm in warfare without a machine gun. I'm in a battle without a sword. But once you apply and live and know the word of God, you can fight the good fight of faith. So you need the word of God. This is how you feed your mind. Through the word of God. Second thing is declaring the word of God. There's something about you quoting scripture in the middle of a crisis. There's something about you opening your mouth and say, your word says this in the middle of affliction. Let me tell you, the battle that Jesus had in the wilderness was a battle of the mind. Also, if you're the son of man, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? What was the devil attacking? 
God's mindset regarding himself. And what did Jesus do? He didn't go and, and, and he, uh, 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 he didn't do that. He went to the word of God. He went to the, where the heck did I say that? And he said, it is written. It is written. Listen, the, let, let, me, let me talk. The enemy, there's one thing the enemy is afraid of. He is afraid not of the Bible. He is afraid of a person that knows the word of God. That's why the Bible says, your word I hid in my heart that I do not sin against you. Because once you live in the power of the word of God, there's no room for the devil to take control of your mind. So how do you feed your mind? The word of God, number two. Declaring the word of God, number three. Hearing and listening. Whatever you hear will affect the way you think. Why do you think? The Bible says in 1 Samuel that for 40 days and for 40 nights, Goliath will wake up early in the morning and he will intimidate the people of Israel. And every night, right before they went to sleep, he will intimidate the people of Israel. And for 40 days and for 40 nights, the army of Israel, King Saul, and all of his legions were not able to overcome one person. Why? Because the first thing they heard early in the morning was Goliath threatening and intimidating God's people. And the last thing they heard right before they went to sleep was Goliath intimidating and threatening God's people. That's why you got to be careful. Listen, the, why did Goliath do that twice a day, 40 days straight? Because whatever you hear first thing in the morning is going to torment you throughout the day. And the last thing you hear at night is going to give you nightmares at night. So they couldn't victory because all day they were afraid and they couldn't go to sleep in hope of a victory because that's all they heard but thank God for David who was not in that mess he was somewhere else playing music and worshiping God and when he showed up he said I'm not afraid of you because I'm not hearing what nobody is hearing I'm going to declare you come against me with a sword and a spear but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts Listen to me, church. You are the end result of what you hear and what you listen to. This is why some people's minds are detoxed. Um, are, are, no, are intoxicated, rather, because of who they let speak in their ears. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who are you feeding in your spirit? And this is why many people are, are sick in the church. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they go to church. And they get goosebumps. And they feel And they speak in tongues. And they speak in tongues. But their minds are jacked up. And they come to church and they feel the Holy Spirit. And then their mind is screwed up. And Monday through Saturday, you can't overcome the junk you're going through. Because it's not a matter of the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of salvation. You're saved. It's not a matter of justification. You're justified. The problem is you got to take those thoughts. And you got to bind those thoughts. And fill your head with God's word. Fill your mouth. Declaring the word of God. And close your ears from hearing the word of the enemy. And the people around you. And connect yourself to hear what God wants you to hear. That's what we talked about last Sunday. Today, 
I want to talk on. Talk to your neighbor, tell him, take control before you lose control. Tell him, take control before you lose control. God ain't going to take control for you. You got to take control for you. He has given you the power. Look, look, look what the, the apostle Peter tells the church in Minor Asia. You got, you got to get this. Peter writes this letter to a church that's being persecuted. Simultaneous to the persecution, he's dealing with members in the church who were Gentiles, because they're in Minor Asia, so they're not Jerusalem, they're Gentiles, who are dealing with how they used to live life, and now they're coming to Christ, you got to get this, dealing with their old nature, their old way of living, but in addition to that, they're being attacked by their neighboring cities because the church became a threat in minor Asia. So they have three battles they're fighting just because they decided to be Christians. They're fighting the citizens of minor Asia, battle number one. They're fighting, listen to this, the enemy of the soul, battle number two. And they're fighting themselves and trying to realize, if I'm Christian, then why am I going through what I'm going through? Look what Paul says. Peter says, I'm, I'm sorry. Look what he says. Because Peter understands that the church is full of the Holy Spirit. Peter is clear that they're full of the Holy Spirit. They're saved, they're sanctified, they're special, yada, yada, yada. But, but, but the challenge that the church has is not the things that God did instantly. The problem with the church that Peter's seeing is the challenge that they have to change and work on these things that they themselves have got to do. And he says, 1 Peter 1, 13, 19, he says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Christianity does not mean living a life in bliss. <laughs> no. Being a Christian doesn't mean you became a spiritual fool. Being a Christian means you became spiritually alert and you're sober and your mind is right. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Look, look what he says. Look what he says. He says... As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. See, there, there were things that they were tolerated. There were things that God tolerated while we were ignorant. But now that we are in Christ, some things are not tolerated anymore. You know, my kids, my kids, you know, my kids, when they were young, they would do things, you know, because from the moment a baby is born, he is born with a mindset of a sense of entitlement. Why? Because he cries, they give him milk. He cries, they change his diaper. He cries, they carry him. He cries, right? So all the baby do is cry and he gets everything he wants. 
Now, what happens? A kid is at, a little kid is at a, a neighbor's house, and he starts touching something that doesn't belong to him. He finds a cookie that's on a table. He eats the cookie, right? And we are, he's so cute. Look at him eat that little cookie. You go, boy, boy, with your little two teeth in your mouth, right? But, but, but when he's six, seven years old, it ain't cute to see a little boy going to somebody's house and stealing a cookie. It, it, it doesn't look good for a little boy going into a drawer and stealing jewelry. It, it looked good when you was a little kid because you didn't understand the difference between robbery and you just wanted what was yours. So when you are in Christ, there are some things that when you became a new believer, God allowed you to go through. But you've been in church five, six, seven, eight, nine years. And you're still dealing with the same mess that you were dealing before. I'm here to tell you, as obedient children, children do not confirm to the evil desires when you lived in ignorance because now you're no longer you're no 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 longer justified by your ignorance there's a word of God in your life there's God in your spirit and there's a presence in your life that is going to hold you accountable for the things you do in the long along your process you're not ignorant anymore look what he says verse 15 but just as he who called you is holy, oh, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And now he goes to the Old Testament, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know, nowadays the word holy is a bad word in church. You know, God's grace. And the blood of Jesus. And God's love. Let's talk about God's holiness. Let's talk about God's holiness. He says, if you, you know, because sometimes, Lord, we just want to obey. Obedience leads you to holiness. You cannot be obedient and not live a holy life. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you was holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each other's person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect see Christianity is more than coming to church Christianity has to deal with this and it has to deal with this and so Peter is advising the believers who are in Christ. Look at his advice. His advice is y'all need to detox yourself from the old way of thinking. And they're full of the Holy Spirit. Because you could be full of the Holy Spirit and be jacked up in the head. Can I get a good amen? There's a difference between being free and being delivered. There, there, there's a lot of people, because the Bible says he who the Son sets free. It's free indeed. But you could be free and be bound at the same time. You can be saved and be bound in your head. You can be saved and bound with an addiction. You can be saved because, listen, God's saving grace is greater than your addiction. 
God's saving grace is greater than any shortcomings you may have. Because if your sin is bigger than God's saving grace, well then God's grace was in vain. But the fact that God's grace and his sacrifice is greater than your mess means that, that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that because God's blood can save me, I'm going to live a life in mental ignorance and I'm going to live a life of sin and I'm going to go every Sunday and plead the blood and Monday through Saturday go back to sinning. No, when you have the mind of Christ, you're going to operate in the power of God to say, I no longer live, but life, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live, I live it to the glory of the Father. Listen to me. Peter's saying, you got to detox your way of thinking. You got to change your mind. You got to detox from the old nature. We can't keep living life, spiritual bipolar living. No. I'm a Christian. Sunday. I'm the devil's son Monday through Saturday. I'm hugging people on Sunday after service. I'm slapping my wife Monday through Friday. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You can't do that. You, you, you got to come to a place where you're going to take all of those thoughts and you're going to subdue them to Christ. You should no longer act based on your sinful nature. And, that's, and this, is, this is the craziness of God. Because God, God saves us. He gives us the power to be free while we're still living in a sinful nature. That's, that's, that's the craziness of God. That God says, I, I have so much, I believe so much in my work. And I believe so much in my sacrifice. And I believe so much in what I did for you at the cross. That I don't have to give you a new body. I can keep you with the old body. And you can still have victory in the old body because of the work I did in you. But the problem is many of us don't have power over the old self. Because our minds are not transformed into the image of God. But once you understand the power of the mind of God. You can walk in your flesh but be in the spirit. Now, where does the toxic, the toxic life stems from? Toxic living stems from your past. Thank you, sister. <laughs> Listen to me. Where do you get? Why are you so hateful? That came from somewhere. Why are you so unforgiving? That came from somewhere. Why are you so jealous? Why are you so revengeful? That came from somewhere. It didn't come in Christ. Mm -mm. It's impossible. Jesus, I love you, and, run, and then you hate everybody. That just doesn't happen. You're dragging stuff with you as you're trying to walk a new life in Christ. Listen, somebody's got to die. 
Somebody has got to die. You can't live in the flesh and live in the spirit. You can't live in the nature of your past and justify who you are because that's what they did to you. And you don't know what I've been through. No, no, no. But if I'm in Christ, that person shouldn't even be living. If I'm in Christ, I'm supposed to love my enemies, love those that do me wrong, be the image of Christ on the earth. You must develop, listen to me, listen to me church. As a believer, you and I must learn to develop, here comes a powerful anointed rhema word. You must learn to develop self-control. I'm going to tell it like it is. That's not the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to do me, and if you don't like it, too bad. That's not the work of the spirit. You must learn to develop self-control. And like Pastor Dwight said, you must take control of your emotions and your thoughts. That's your responsibility. Why do you think David said in the book of Psalms, bless the Lord, all my soul? Because that's the part of him David has control over. He's saying, listen, soul, listen, soul. Your job, soul of mine, is to bless the Lord. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what Saul did to you. I don't care what the enemies are doing against you. I don't care if you're running in a cave. But here's what you're going to do, Mr. Soul. Mr. Soul, you are going to bless. That, that sounds nice in theory, but that was hard in practice. I'm here to tell you, Christianity is not defined by the good moments of life. Christianity is defined in your worst moments that you tell your soul you will submit to the obedience. Obedience of Christ. We have the power. Listen to me. You have the power to demolish contrary thought, thoughts and emotions. And Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Listen to me. Paul is not writing to sinners. He's writing to a church. He says, we demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take, we, not Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. We, somebody say me. We take captive. I take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's my job. That's yours, Pastor, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You got the word. You got the Holy Spirit. And you got his presence. You can do it. New birth. You must place your hope. In the grace you shall receive when Christ returns. You know, many of us were waiting for God to come to get right. But God doesn't call us to get right. God calls us to be ready. We have to be, listen, we have to be in preparation mode. Let me explain that. We will never be prepared. Because as long as we're living in this body, the Bible calls this process the process of sanctification. The process of sanctification is that it is a journey. I will never become. Listen, God's not going to come to pick up his church when the church is perfect. When the trumpet sound is not going to be that. He's going to come at a moment in history when nobody of the church is not sinning. And everybody is hallelujah. hallelujah. God is not waiting for perfection to come. God, God, no, because if that were the case, God would never, Jesus will never come back again for his church. But he is not waiting for us to be prepared. He's waiting for us to be in preparation. That's a big difference i'm not where i should be but i'm not where i was so one thing i'm doing i am moving forward as i become the person god wants me to be listen to me 
in case y'all don't know this, we believe that Jesus is coming back. How many of you believe that? Jesus is coming back. So what's my job as a Christian until he returns? For the rhythm of your love. <laughs> oh! Let me show you a story. In the book of Esther, chapter 2, verse 12. Esther has a relative by the name of Mordecai. And Mordecai is trying to hook up Esther with the king. Right? Look at this. Look at this. Esther chapter 2, verse 12. It says, before a young woman's term came to go into King's Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women. And then he breaks it down. Six months with oil and myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. When a woman was going to present herself to the king, she couldn't show up talking about with rollers on her head and smelling like, like Crisco oil and, and a patelillo in her hand and a cauliflower coming out her nose. No. No. Uh-uh. She knew a year in advance that she was going to stand before the king. Thank you, baby. A year in advance. And you know what she would do? The Bible says she would get treated six months with myrrh and oil. What does that mean? She was getting a massage. How many of you guys ever had a good massage? Look at about massage. Like, like, right. Let me tell you. You know you're in a good massage. When during the process of being massaged, you feel like going to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm serious. You know why? Because as the person is pressing on your flesh, they're pushing away the toxics. The toxic. They're pushing it out. Have you noticed that they start here and they start coming down and they push everything out? Well, why are they doing that? Because they're trying to get away all of the toxics that is inside your body. And this is why this woman, six months, she was preparing her body, getting rid of everything that was toxic. And then when she got rid of all of the toxic, now she was filled with perfume and cosmetic because she was going to stand before the king. Let me tell you, church, that until Christ comes, our job is to be ready, is to be in preparation. We don't know when he's coming but we're gonna get right we don't know when he's coming but i'm gonna clean my mind i'm gonna clean my heart i'm gonna clean my soul because when he comes i want him to find me doing the work of the lord listen to me matthew 24 46 says it would be good for that servant whose master finds him doing when he returns our hope as christians cannot be anchored on worldly things. Our hope as Christians has to be anchored on the hope of glory. This is why we as obedient children, we should not mold ourselves to the bad habits we have in the past and use them as a crutch and as an excuse. Because before, we walked in ignorance. But now, church, we have the revelation of God in our favor. 
throughout this pilgrimage, we should live our lives reverently in fear of the Lord. That's what Peter says. We are pilgrims. We are on a pilgrimage. So because you are a pilgrim, you got to start renewing your mind towards where you want to go. Pilgrimage, church. We are passing by this world. And if I'm passing by this world, it's because I'm going to another world. I cannot take the mindset of the past into the place God wants to take me. We're not from this world, y'all. We're not from this world. But because of our previous generations, we are the result of a toxic inheritance. You know I have a problem? You know I have a problem? When I look at a kid who is rebellious and evil, and it's wrong, and the parents know it, yet they defend their parent, they defend their son in the wrongdoing that they're doing. That's crazy. And some of us were carrying the baggage of curses. And we feel it's okay because our parents justify and say, you go do you, mama. Go do you, puppy. I got your back. Anybody hit you, hit them right back. Whoa, time out. Listen to me. You do not have to perpetuate the toxic inheritance and bad habits your parents gave you. The blood of Jesus has the power to break every cycle, every thought, and every toxic behavior. And you don't have to be like mama, papa, and grandma to be right. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Detox is a process. Detox hurts. Detox isn't easy to swallow. When a person decides to go through detox, he or she will experience difficult moments of withdrawal. The body starts sending signals to the, of resistance. Why? Because it has gotten used to the unhealthy pattern that it has been receiving all along. Let me tell you. And this happens when a person decides to detox from drugs, detox from an abusive relationship. Okay? However... If you want to be free, you got to confront those challenges. As humans, we are, create, we are creatures of habit. And so you are ultimately the end result of the things you do. Now listen to me. How do I know I'm being detoxed? Let me give you some of the symptoms of detox. And these are physiological reactions or signs that a body begins to exhibit when he's experiencing detox. Number one. Nausea. Have you ever seen somebody trying to break a drug addiction? They, they throw it up and they nausea, na nauseous. Second is nausea. Third is excessive sweating. Not like me, but excessive sweating. The other one is compulsions. And some can't tolerate the detox process and unfortunately, unfortunately they die. Let me tell you, when you start detoxing your mind and in the spirit and changing your way of thinking, you're going to get sick. You're going to get nauseous. You're going to feel uneasy. And it ain't God abandoning you. It's God giving you space to have self-control to change your mindset. Because he wants you to think at an optimal level of thinking. But until you fight you, which is your greatest enemy, you cannot fight the devil who is your least enemy. Many people don't resist this intense process. Because they don't want to go through the process of pain. 
That's why I tell you, church, you have to take control before you lose control. It is worthless to have charisma and obtain achievements in life if we have not yet reached the freedom of toxic emotions in our lives. Proverbs 16.32 says this, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. There are people that they do all these exploits and do all these things and they are so exposed and they can't control themselves. Listen to me. Who and what you've been through in your past should not dominate who you are now in Christ. And you got to settle that in your head. Look, look, look what Paul tells Ephesians, the church of Ephesus in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Look what he tells them. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In other words, because of your sin and transgressions, you lived, you was dead and you didn't even know it. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Translation, when you were dead in your transgression and sin, you were the son of the devil. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. Listen to me. The process of detox demands that we replace bad habits for good habits. The process of detox demands that we replace the way we were thinking and start thinking differently. Look what he says, chapter 4, verse 22 and 32. He says, you were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted in these deceitful desires, to be made new with the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you, check this out, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Look what the Bible tells us. In your anger, don't sin. In your, it's okay to be angry. Don't sin. How do, you, how do you sin? When you offend people. When you hurt people. It's okay to be angry. But when you let anger become sin, and God says, no, I'm not cool with that. Do not let the sun go down while you're so angry. You know the people that are angry for months in church? They're mad. I'm just, I'm, I'm angry. I'm hurt and I'm angry. And everybody's going to know it. And we're going to feel it. And I'm going to tell everybody in church how angry I am. You need to grow up. You need to mature. You're still dragging the mind of the old self. Because a renewed mind has the capacity to say, I'm not going to let this anger take over my night. I'm going to wake up new. I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to live life to the glory of God. Don't let anger cause you to sin. 
Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And do not give the devil. Listen, when you let the anger go in your sleep, you're giving the devil a footstool. You're giving him room. Anyone who has been stealing, don't do it no more. Pastor, I don't see that. I don't apply it to me. Okay. But must work doing something useful with their own hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let un any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. <laughs> but only what is helpful. Check this out. He says, what is helpful for building others. Not me. For building others others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen verse 30 do not grieve the holy spirit of god with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption and now look what he says if you want to live this new mind and detox yourself he says get rid of bitterness a christian should not be bitter get rid of bitterness get rid of rage Get rid of anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And how do I know I'm not being angry, I'm not being brawling, I'm not bitterness? Here's how 32, be kind. Be compassionate. Some of us, we can't forgive nobody, but good God Almighty, we'll be broken and nobody forgives us. I ain't going to forgive her because look what she did to me. I ain't going to forgive him. Look what he did to me. Imagine if I treated you the way you treat somebody else. Be kind and compassionate. Here's another phrase. Forgiving each other. I don't want to. Well, you know what? Christ didn't have to either. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive just as in Christ God forgave you. I'm going to forgive. Listen. Listen, we remember I started. What if your thoughts were on that screen? God knows every thought you thought. God knows everything you did jacked up this week. And he's here. He gave you his presence this morning. And he gave you his love this morning. And he forgave you again. And if you come to the altar, he'll hug you again. Why can't you do for others what God is doing for you? gospel is more than coming to church the gospel is is changing the way i think the gospel is i could be bitter and get him back to what he did and get her back to what she did but the gospel says that once i start living and thinking like christ then i have to change my pattern and detox myself from the old me into the new me well pastor every sin you mentioned in this scripture i don't make none i don't do none of those sins so that don't apply to me thank god i'm going to heaven Because, you know, some people need to see it literally. Where in the Bible says you can't smoke weed? Bible don't say I can't smoke weed. Right? Well, let me just tell you this. When Paul wrote that scripture, he wasn't thinking of you. He was thinking of the church in Ephesus and Corinthians. But just because he was talking to them, that doesn't mean that you could see. See, see, so, some of us, some of us, we're, we're so, we're so sacred to the letter of the word that we miss out the message of the word. 
well, the Bible don't say this, but, but, but it's not that the Bible don't say that. It's what that represents to you. Because maybe I might not be a liar, but I just have a problem forgiving people. Then put your mess in that scripture. Because you cannot have the fruit of the Spirit and act like the way you're acting. It just doesn't work. Now listen to me. In Luke chapter 15, you had a son called the prodigal son who had everything. A wealthy home. Lived in a great home environment. Had everything he ever needed. Everything he ever needed, the prodigal son had. They would have parties all the time. Matter of fact, so a rich family had servants, maids, rich family. And this kid, having it all, he allowed one thought to change the course of his life. And this was his thought. His thought was, I want my money. And that's what he told his father. Father, give me my inheritance. Now, wanting money, is that a bad thing? No, I, Lord, I want money too. What the heck? He had a thought, and his thought was, I want, to be, I want money. Here's what's crazy. His was crazy. He had it all the time. He had the money all the time. Because anything he wanted, his father would give him. But this is what the devil does. The devil takes your brain and your mind and he puts in thoughts that look right, sound right. But the thing is that see, God, God, God interprets the heart. And so he said, give me my money. And the father gives us his money. We all know the story. And that one thought, that one thought dominated and influenced his life to the point that he is now living a toxic life because of one thought. And you know what God does? You know what God does? The father. The father lets the kid go. Listen, if that father was Puerto Rican, how many of you guys seen Le Juan videos? Le Juan video on your Facebook. If that father was, what what, what, you, what, 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 what you want? You, you, you want money? What, 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 what? You want, uh, you want money? Come and get it. Come and get it. Come on. Come and get it. But God don't treat us that way. Because we have this thing called self, don't, no, no, free will and self-control. Look what happens. The father says, all right, you want the money? Go. The father allowed him to go through his mess. Through his mess. The father could have said no. Father let him go. Listen to me. Why does God allow you to go through your process? God allows him and he allows you to go through a detox process where he loses everything, where you lose everything to the point of losing your dignity. Listen to me. He said, all right, take it. And I'm going to let you go through your process of detox. Because your problem is not the money. Your problem is the way you think about money. 
Your, your, your problem is not that you want to go party because you have parties all the time. But you just want to go and live in bootleg and live crazy. But you had a party here. So, so I, I got to let you deal with your mess and your demons and your, and your intoxication. So I'm going to let you go as low as you can. And he allowed him to go through his detox process. To the point that the kid is at the point of eating corn husk, food of swine. Now here's what's crazy. On his way back home, his father doesn't wait for him for, with a belt. His father doesn't put a list of conditions of things. Now that you left and you went buck wild, here's what you need to know. The father receives him with open arms. He embraces him and he waits to restore him. Because the father saw this, him coming back home implied he had a change of mind. The Bible says, and while he was about to eat the corn husk, the Bible says, and he came to himself. What does that mean? He went through a mental process and he said, wait a minute, what am I doing here? When the father saw him coming back, he was like, yeah, I'm glad. Uh -huh, uh -huh, see, see, I told you. No, no, no. He said, when him coming back was the father's way of interpreting he had a change of mind. He caught it. He understood it. And this is why sometimes God allows you to go through your mess so that you can change and you can detox. And when you come back to the Father, He's not going to be like, I told No, no. He's going to say, good, you learned the lesson. New birth. Evaluate what thoughts. Evaluate your conduct. Evaluate the relationship and toxic habits that are affecting your life. My recommendation for you today is why don't you allow the Holy Spirit to initiate the detox process in your emotional life today? Because just like the prodigal son, the Father is waiting with, for you with open arms. But you have to take control before you lose control. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.